many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Hey, everybody. It's podcast number three of The Outsiders. I'm Bryn Griffiths. He's Robin Brownlee. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm terrific, Bryn. Look, did we just come in? Uh, to a clip that said touchdown Eskimos just asking for a friend <laughs> yes we did that was a while ago though that was the uh, the silky smooth tones of Mark Lee who's not even doing CFL action anymore that was that goes back to when Ricky Ray played with the Edmonton Eskimos but I see where you're going with that well let's go right into it the Labor Day classics were this past weekend uh, the one between the Eskimos and the uh, the Calgary Stampeders at McMahon Stadium was not a classic, and the Edmonton Eskimos are once again having problems scoring points. The Calgary Stampeders, I think, now are going to find their stride because Bo Levi Mitchell is back. Where do you want to go with that one? I tell you what, uh, listening to fans after that game, I think there's some real frustration out there. You know, what we're seeing is a team that, you know, has relied – largely on its defense, even though there have been some offensive explosions. I mean, uh, Trevor Harris and the offense have put up some good numbers, but I tell you what, offensively, defensively, and on special teams, I don't think the Eskimos ever threatened to win any aspect of that game on Monday, let alone win the game. They were not in that game at any point, and I don't care what the score was at any point, they got nothing done on, in any of the three components of, of teams. We talked last week about the Eskimos' legitimacy being tested over these next few games. Well, they were they were out and out failing miserably in Calgary on Monday afternoon. They have a rematch coming up, and I don't see things changing too much there either. The offense can't they can't throw a pass longer than a simple eight yard out, and when they get into the red zone, it's the dead zone. It's not the red zone anymore. It's not good for the Edmonton Eskimos. I predicted at the start of the season they would finish fourth. And right now I'm starting to see, as the West is starting to maybe settle just a little bit, and I see the Calgary Stampeders finishing first, and then I see Winnipeg and Saskatchewan fighting it out for second or third, and I have the Eskimos right now in fourth in the crossover position. That's kind of how I saw it at the start of the season before all the quarterbacks started getting hurt. And now I'm starting to sense, based on what I watched this past weekend, that's exactly what we're going to see here by the time we get to the end, the end of the regular schedule. Well, I tell you what, and the thing, Bryn, from where I sit, it's not so much going to matter where the Eskimos finish. I think they're a crossover team at best. That offense, you know, numbers can be deceiving, and we've talked about this in hockey right across the board with all sports, really. You know, Success does not hinge on one player. Uh, in football, though, the quarterback tends to get much of the praise and and much of the blame. And for all his numbers, uh, Trevor Harris, who came in in a tough situation, let's be honest, Mike Riley leaves, a former MOP leaves, and you come in. He got some things done early this season, but despite leading the league in passing yards, and I think he's still third, uh, in t- in uh, touchdown passes, Harris in five of 11 games has not thrown a touchdown pass. Now, someone has to catch them. Somebody has to block so you can throw one. I get that. 
But that's an all or nothing stat if ever there was one. You're getting three touchdowns in, in one game, three in another, two in another. Five of 11 games without a touchdown pass in the CFL? You can't win like that. No, no chance, no way. And special teams at the CFL level, too, are huge. And Sean White's been sensational. No problem there with, with his kicking ability. He, you know, every time the Eskimos would fall down by 10 or 12 points, I'm going, okay, well, I don't know how they're going to get three more field goals to get back into this thing because touchdowns are really uh, not in their vocabulary at all. Okay, that's the Edmonton Eskimos. Let's take a look at the opposition. The Calgary Stampeders, who have been very competitive with Arbuckle in, but now they've got Bo Levi Mitchell back. And the the word was, well, we'll see how rusty he is. He, he's in midseason form, and he looked great. And I, and I think from this point forward, the Calgary Stampeders are going to gallop ahead of the rest of the West, basically because Winnipeg's situation with Nichols and uh, Harris is out for one more game with the suspension. Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I like the way they're playing. Just not sure their first their first place material yet. So let's uh, talk about the Calgary Stampeders for a minute. I think the Stamps, I, uh, I, I like their chances to, uh, to slowly chip away and finish in first place by the time the season's over. I could be out of it, and you're, of course, welcome to drop an email anytime. All I have to do is just send the email to mightymouth at shaw.ca. We get back to people, too. We've had a bunch of emails, and I responded to a lot of people, and it's great. And the response we've had from the podcast has been fantastic, and we thank you for your downloads. But uh, as for, you know, obviously we're going to talk with Rod Peterson about the Labor Day weekend and some of the other CFL stuff. But but for the most part, before we leave it, the Calgary Stampeders, are they are they just about ready to hit the, hit the gas pedal for you? Yeah, I mean, to me, uh, they have – the best quarterback uh, in the Canadian Football League. It's not gonna. It's clearly not gonna take him two or three weeks to get back into the swing of things. While he didn't light it up against the Eskimos, he looked smooth. He looked sharp. Um, he was in complete control. Uh, Bo Levi Mitchell with the team he has around him. I mean, the only guy close to Bo Levi for me is Mike Riley, but he is horizontal in BC with a really crappy team. And you can't do much when you're flat on your back. So I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, if the Stampeders go on a run now. And forget how they've dominated uh, the first half of the Labor Day Classic with the Eskimos at home. They're 5-2 and two in the last seven uh, in the rematch in Edmonton. So I fully expect they're going to come in here and take care of business because I tell you what, the Eskimos showed nothing on Monday. And the tiebreaker now goes to the Calgary Stampeders, if that's an issue for some people. NFL season kicks off this week. It'll get going Thursday night. It's the Packers and the Bears in Chicago. I was looking at the power rankings heading into uh, week one. And, of course, uh, when you're doing the power rankings for week number one, usually the defending champs are always at the top of the heap, and that's exactly where New England is, followed by the L.A. Rams, the New Orleans Saints, the Kansas City Chiefs. You've got Philadelphia up next, along with Chicago, Dallas, Pittsburgh, Seattle, and the Los Angeles Chargers. Not a lot of surprise there, I don't think. Uh, I I can't say that. uh, Well, there's a couple of things. I'm going to be up front with people, and I've told you this before. I don't watch preseason anything. I find preseason everything boring. I don't watch it. I still read up a little bit to see what's going on, but I'm not going to spend three hours watching a preseason NFL football game or a, 
uh, NHL preseason game. I'm just not interested in that. But these these rankings to me, I think, are pretty fair to kick things off this season. I'm going to keep watching the NFL until uh, the Patriots finally descend into the depths of mediocrity like some people have been suggesting they would for some time now. Yes. I mean, Brady is what, 57 years old not, now? Not quite, but I see where you're going with that. You know, it's been remarkable. <laughs> Love him or hate him, and look, a lot of people hate him because when you win that often, you get on people's nerves. Hello, Montreal Canadiens, uh, when I was a kid. Yeah. But the, they're in the conversation. Uh, it's it's remarkable, given the players that have come and gone over the years. I'd still like to see, just for old time's sake, and uh, a you know a nostalgic walk down memory lane. Are the Miami Dolphins going to be any good ever again? Isn't it funny how you go through these cycles? Some of these teams. So that was my is, team. Is that, as a kid. I was just going to ask that. You, obviously, that's a hot button for you. So, um, well, I don't I, know. Most most people these days don't know who Bob Greasy was or, you know, Larry Zonka or Jim Kick or no. Mercury Morris. So now I, I am officially 79 years old for uh, uh, the people out there. But uh, <laughs> I'm just thinking, you know, what comes around goes around. And I've been waiting forever for the Dolphins to get good again because it's been like since the 70s, hasn't it? It's been a long time. And the perfect season was a long time ago. And I'm a Denver Bronco fan. I grew up watching the Broncos as a kid in the 70s on television. So I, I've kind of followed them really closely. And they have been okay. They've won. They've won some titles, but they have not been absolutely awful. They've been passable. Like this year, I don't know what's going to happen there with Flacco, but whatever. We'll see. We'll be watching the NFL closely throughout the season anyway. Let's get to some hockey notes. The NHL training camps opening up this coming weekend, and no Justin Williams. He's decided he is sitting out the season. Did not utter the word retirement. Said he's sitting out the season. Your take on that? Well, first of all, at 37 years old, Justin Williams has nothing left to prove in this league. He's won three Stanley Cups. He's played over 1,200 games. I think he's in the top 100. So if he's tired, if he wants a rest, he talked about the fire not being there. You know what? Kick back and relax. And if somebody wants to throw you an offer that sounds interesting, you know, at some point during the season – for a playoff push and you're still in shape playing down at the local arena with the senior league guys or whatever you do when you're Justin Williams, go for it. Otherwise, hey, rest up and enjoy the rest of your life because, man, when you've played that long, uh, you've earned it. This takes us back to what we talked about last week with the Andrew Luck situation in, in Indianapolis about the fact that people, some people, were pissed off because he just up and packed it in because he thought it might be more important to make sure that I can walk with my kids, be able to carry my grandkids, be able to remember the names of my kids and my grandkids when I hit 60. I don't think fans fans can, can say anything they want about a way a guy plays on the field. And maybe when they're playing for your team and their off-field conduct might be questionable, you should be able to question that a little bit too. But as to when a guy decides to pack it in or take out and just just – chill out for a season, I don't think that's anybody's business. Am I wrong in that? No, absolutely not. You know what? It doesn't matter how much dough you got in the bank, 
how many cars you have in the garage, how many garages you have in your houses around the world. Yeah. If you can't get out of bed, if you can't think straight, if you can't enjoy the rest of your life after the sport you played, why did you play the sport in the first place? Exactly. What is the point? To me, when I hear a player say that, well, let's see, okay, let's drag Sidney Crosby into into the mix here. Sid's taken a beating over the years. At some point, and I hope it's soon, with all the concussion history that he has, I hope at some point soon, as much as it would really hurt to watch him not be part of the National Hockey League anymore, I hope he makes the right decision. I hope he talks to his doctors, talks to his agent, makes the right call, and decides, you know, I've won my cups. I'm going to be one of the legends. I got to walk away right now while I still have some comprehension of what I've done. The concussion one is the one that really drives me crazy. It, it's you don't owe anything, anybody anything at this point. You've, you've made your mark on the national hockey league. You celebrated Stanley cup championships with the city of Pittsburgh. What's left. There's nothing really left. Is there? No. And I'll, you know, my last thought is this Bren, you know, th- you're paid to entertain and you're paid handsomely. And I get that. And players now I'd like to think go into the sport they play. If not with a full understanding, cause we're not sure medically, but at least a far better understanding uh, than people went into pro sports in the sixties and seventies and eighties. And even the nineties did we understand there's risks. And when you say, I've had enough because I've been hit in the head enough or I can't get out of bed. My knees hurt enough. That's all. That's all that matters. Yes. You're a paid entertainer, but not, you don't entertain at any cost. And if the cost is your health, you say, thank you very much, much. It's been a slice. See you later. When I was growing up, uh, my mom was a huge tennis fan. So through the seventies, we always got up early and watched Wimbledon and I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was fun to watch with my folks who were both tennis fans, but my mom was the biggest one. So to be able to watch Bjorn Borg, Chris Everett, uh, Elin Astasi, John McEnroe, uh, Jimmy Connors, Martina Navratilova, the list is long. And I used to enjoy watching tennis back in the day. Then I kind of disconnected for a little while. But all of a sudden now we have these Canadians that are basically uh, coming up. And we've had some uh, some pretty solid names appear on behalf of Canada, but all of a sudden you've got Bianca Andreescu, and she's rolling at the U.S. Open at the time of us taping today. And she has a favorable route to get all the way to the final. We'll see if she does. But for me, the one thing she's got that the other Canadians, and I, I, this I'll even say Milos Ronic is one, uh, Denis Shapovalov is another one, uh, for example, on the men's side. They're competitive. They've got the skill level, but they they need to have a little. Uh, they have to be a little more. Uh, what's the word I want to use? They're so likable. I I I have no problem at all. I least my favorite player was was John McEnroe, and he was not the most likable player on the planet. But uh, but I like the fact that Bianca's got a little bit of an edge to her, and I think that that edge might be just enough to push her into the upper echelon when it comes to uh, to tennis players who've come out of Canada. She I. Watched the match last night. I thought she was fantastic. Well, she's got a little bulldog in her. That's for sure. Yeah. And I like that. I, you know what? I, uh, To be honest, Bryn, um, I'm not big on the whine and complain and throw the racket stuff. I was entertained by McEnroe. 
the guy with the the guy who was absolutely haywire was Ilya Nastasi. Yeah, he was when, a nut bar. When he lost grip, he <laughs> lost it big time. Oh yeah. McEnroe became a bit of a whiny caricature of himself. He was a great player. Don't get me wrong. But I used to love it when a, uh, you know, a smoothie like Bjorn Borg, who never had a tantrum that I recall, was dominating. But with the Canadians, yeah, I mean, to get the last great woman that I remember watching, and really her time at or near the top of the game as far as Canadians go, uh, was a long time ago now, uh, Helen Kelsey, Hurricane oh, Helen. Yeah. She had some fire, and, and I, so I'm enjoying watching uh, you know, this young woman play, uh, she, you know, she gained some prominence, uh, a week or 10 days ago. I think, uh, uh, this is the first time a Canadian woman has reached the quarterfinals. I think it was, uh, Jack Michaels, the Oilers play by play guy, uh, who's a big tennis buff said it had been 27 years since a Canadian had reached the quarters at the U S open. So that tells you right there. Shapovalov is entertaining. Can he take the next step? I think these two kids right now at the top may be the best thing Canada's had in some time. We've had some other players come and hover around the top, but I don't know that they've managed to sustain that and win the big tournaments still to happen for these one, these kids as well, but at least there's some buzz out there. All I can say is this. Some people have said, how can you watch tennis? And I go, you know, I like all sports, but I'll tell you right now, if you're wearing a Maple Leaf, if you're in a Tiddlywinks championship, you <laughs> might have, some of you might have to Google Tiddlywinks or marbles, but if you were representing Canada in lawn bowling or any of these other sports, fringe sports, we'll call them that because it's kind of what they are. If you're wearing the Maple Leaf and you're getting close to the finals, I'll, I'm, I'm watching. I'm going to watch because I'm curious. And I'm going to watch because I want to cheer on Canada. That's how it works for me. I hear you. Hey, look, you, you mentioned something. I want to swing over to, to something else. Um, when you mentioned fringe sports, uh, Max Kellerman, a fellow I, uh, I respect as a boxing commentator on ESPN. I, I saw a clip of him uh, in the last day or two where he said track and field is not a real sport. Athletics? I'm... <laughs> I tell you what, I've watched Max a fair amount on TV in the boxing game, and, and he knows his stuff, but I don't know if he was having a bad day or what. How can people who are involved in track and field, uh, you know, not be true athletes and it not be a real sport? I mean, is there anything more purely athletic than watching somebody run a 100 or a 200 or the hurdles or, or high jump? I mean, that's your body. And nothing else. You're not you. You're not driving a car. You're not throwing a ball. You're running and jumping. I mean, they are some of the best athletes on the planet, in my way of thinking. So, Max, lame take from where I'm sitting, pal. Usain Bolt is not. Uh, I mean, it, it was him against the clock. It was him against his competitors. There's no way to to candy coat that. It's the. I'm with you. It's the purest of all the sports. It's also the one that goes back probably. Well, I don't know. We'd have to take a look. We'd have to go back to Mount Olympus. Is it like the first real, you know? <laughs> I was there. <laughs> no, but I mean, here's the thing, Brent. I'm with you. He should probably just stick to what he knows. Well, mind you, here we are uh, blabbering on about all sorts of different sports, but we, everybody's got an opinion. He's entitled to be able to say it. Sure. But come on, really? It's, he said track and field stars are usually failed football and basketball players and that the best athletes go into basketball and football. 
a okay. lot of good athletes go into basketball and football because there's big money there. But I don't think track and field stars are usually failed football and basketball players. Man, if you're a world class athlete in any sport, you probably haven't jumped to it later in life deciding, well, you couldn't hack it as a as a football player. I mean, you're running track as a youngster if if that's what you're gonna gonna do. So I'm not like I say, I don't know where he's coming from. It draws eyes, it draws clicks, but uh, again, I don't get how you can say track and field people aren't great athletes and it's not a real sport. Coming up next, we're going to talk to a guy that you and I have known for a very, very long time, and that is Rod Peterson, who was the longtime voice of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders and also the longtime voice of the Regina Pats of the Western Hockey League. Rod's been around for a long time, also has some strong opinions on some things. We are going to get his thoughts on uh, all the Labor Day matchups this past weekend, his thoughts on what's going on with the CFL. And there's other. he's got some other ventures and some other projects too. So when we come back, Rod Peterson joins us right here on The Outsiders. Pro-Am Sports is Edmonton's home for sports and entertainment memorabilia. Featuring unique collectibles and apparel, we've got you and your fan cave covered. Pro-Am Sports, located in Edmonton at 12728 St. Albert Trail and proamsports.ca. Well, Rod Peterson, how you doing? 100%, guys. Good to hear from you. What are you doing? Uh, well, I'm wondering if I'm actually an outsider now. You guys are, <laughs> you're outsiders? We are. We're the does outsiders. That make, does that make me, me an outsider? I was hoping to be an insider. We, we, oh, will, wow. we will show you the uh, secret handshake and give you the keys to the clubhouse <laughs> later. Okay, yeah. sounds good. If I can climb up to the treehouse, thank you, guys. Well, what we're finding is you can be outsiders with insider stuff, but still be in the outside and have more fun. Isn't it great? Yeah, it is actually. We're kind of enjoying it. <laughs> all right, before we get into all the specifics about you, let's start talking about the Canadian Football League. The last couple of weeks, we had Chris Cuthbert on in our opening show, and we were talking about attendance. And we're it's nice to see it's come around. This past weekend was actually pretty solid. Well, you know what? I got to jump immediately to something that we're going to talk about down the line. And that is I touched on Atlantic. I had some time with the commissioner, Randy Ambrosi, and he just said, can we talk about what's good about the CFL rather than about what's bad, please? (laughs) And I just I chuckled because that was the theme was the attendance all year long, really until week 12 in the Labor Day classics and most stadium, you know, Tim Hortons field was beyond capacity couple thousand more than what it held. Saskatchewan had their first sellout of the season at 33,000 and change. And then in Calgary, it was just shy of a sellout, but it looked like a sellout. It just looked made for magnificent television. The games, for the most part, were good, except for the Battle of Alberta. And I just kind of smiled and thought, well, the the commissioner's going to be happy here because this was a pretty brilliant weekend for the CFL. Well, Rod, you know this as well as anybody. I mean, a lot of people uh, believe and count me among them that the season doesn't really start until Labor Day and uh, not only at the turnstiles, but in the standings. And uh, now there's some movement in both. I guess so. But that phrase, the hair stands up on the back of my neck when people say that, because if the rest of the country doesn't wake up to the CFL until Labor Day weekend, here's what you missed. The Simone Lawrence hit on Zach Caleros in week one, the suspension, the appeal, and then the suspension. 
You've missed the entire BC Lions season. You've missed, you've missed probably the end of Zach Caleros' career. You've missed Kahari Jones and Vernon Adams Jr. single-handedly breathing life into the Montreal Alouettes franchise and turning it around. And what I think, well, the coming out party of Cody Fajardo in Saskatchewan, he's the new face of the franchise and the birth of the next generation of CFL quarterbacks. So I know you guys have been paying attention to CFL since week one, but most of the country has not. So if you believe it just kicked off this weekend, you've missed a ton already this summer. That's my take on that, Robin. Sorry. To no worries. Nerve touch. <laughs> well, you, Rod, you, you've been around long enough watching this league as of all of us. And to me, where you finish in the season is determined in the first half. However, that last yes. half, that last half is a crazy half, and we're of going course. into well, it. I, now. Talk, I talked to Dunnigan about that a few years ago, and I said, "Do you believe with the adage the season doesn't start until Labor Day?" He's like, "No, because two points in week one mean the same as two points in week 18, and those teams that actually jump out to a great start usually sit on that cushion for a while." Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a good example of that right now this year, and also the Hamilton Tiger Cats who just continued to keep winning. But the more early wins that you can put in the bank, it does filter out, you're right, in that final third of the season, no doubt. So I guess from a fan's perspective, yes, Robin's right. But from the team perspective, uh, my goodness, can you imagine if the teams thought that way? Apparently, BC has. <laughs> hey, well, Rod, tell me about that cushion uh, as far as the Edmonton Eskimos go. They are in their annual uh, mid-schedule swoon, and I don't know that it's going to get a lot better in the rematch against the Stampeders. Well, you know what? I, I think it's hard to keep the pedal to the metal for 18 games, no matter who, whom you are. And for the Eskimos, this is the one. I mean, I've been following them closely because that's what I love about the CFL, nine teams. It's not that hard to watch every game. Right. I just don't I just don't know what they are. And I don't know that they know what they are. You know, one minute they are shooting the lights out and Trevor Harris is putting up close to five hundred yards, yet they lose. And then they go down to Calgary and they just they just look like molasses. That offense and they can't tackle. And yet, you know, then they'll they'll win the big games, which they have. And, you know, they've they've come up big in some home games. I understand that Winnipeg game two Fridays ago was not that. I just don't know what Edmonton is. But I know they got six wins, as do the Calgary Stampeders. That's what I know. Well, here's so the thing, though, the, Rod. Yeah. They're beating the teams you got to beat, but they're not beating the teams they have to beat. Which is scary. But the same can be said for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, who – up until this Labor Day Classic weekend, the only West Division winning team they'd faced was the Blue Bombers. Well, they got killed by Calgary here in July. And then Winnipeg was the next Western team that had any teeth. And they were missing their quarterback and the league's leading rusher. So the same goes for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. So a lot was sorted out in the first half. Like I say, BC and Toronto seasons are over. But I just don't know if we know anything about the Edmonton Eskimos here. And what are they, six and Four, six and five. So they got seven games left. I was doing the math of the crossovers this morning. I mean, Robin, I know how much they love the Eskimos in Edmonton. They have for almost 98 of 100 years of CFL football, they've led the league in attendance. Mm -hmm. I know how much they love the Eskimos. But I don't think the fans know what they are either. But they're going to be in the playoffs. I think they're going to be in the playoffs. The crossover, we're close to having it clinched. You know, so now it's really you talk uh, mighty mouth there about 
fine tuning. Um, it really is all about the playoffs. The regular season is just jockeying for your playoff seating. And maybe the Edmonton Eskimos, if they were to cross over, could be the first team ever to get to the Grey Cup via the crossover. And if it happened to be in Calgary, wouldn't that be something? Ron Peterson joining us on the Outsiders today. It's always great to chat with him. You know, Rod, you, good point, but here's how I see it. You've got a great story, as you mentioned, in, in Cody Fajardo. He comes along, uh, takes over. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit uh, wobbly against a team without its starting quarterback and running back uh, the last time out. But I tell you what. I look at Trevor Harris, you start off guns a-blazing like he did, and then you look at the numbers and they fool you sometimes. I mean, here's a guy who leads the league in passing yardage. I think he's still third in touchdown passes, but in five of 11 games, he hasn't thrown a single touchdown pass. It's like all or nothing with uh, him right now. Well, and you know what? That's why Ottawa did not back up the Brinks truck for him. Um, I got a lot of friends in the Red Blacks organization who just feel Trevor can't win the big game. And I honestly thought when they won that East final last year and what he put up 40 plus points on the board, I believe that that kind of sealed the deal for Ottawa. And then they go to the great cup at Edmonton and lose. But, you know, going into free agency, Trevor Harris said he wanted to resign in Ottawa. The Red Blacks said they wanted him. Next thing you know, he's wearing green and gold. I'm like, what the hell happened? And I just, realized that Ottawa wasn't sold on him for whatever reason. And who knows him better than them? So I I love the kid. Yeah. Pardon me. I was just going to say, I I had lunch with AJ Jakubik, the voice of uh, the Red Blacks last week. And he, and I said, well, what do you think about Trevor Harris? And he said, look, the problem he had last year was once he got in close, it was a field goal. And we're seeing the exact same thing here now in Edmonton. Right. And I just don't, Ottawa knows what they're doing. And I'm not just saying that Trevor Harris will never win the big one or he can't be that guy, but he's kind of displaying the traits in Edmonton that he displayed in Ottawa. And I don't know what the Eskimos are paying him. It just seemed to me that Ottawa wasn't going to pay so much for a guy that they didn't necessarily believe in. However, who knows him better than Jason Moss and Brock Sunderland? I think from what I understand, Brock had a big hand in getting uh, Trevor to Ottawa in the first place. So that's not to say he can't do it, but they got a they got a pretty uh, very good receiving core in in Edmonton. Um, you know we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater here. Eskimos are going to be in the playoffs, but you look at that career record of Trevor Harris against Calgary zero eight and two. Yeah, that should send a shiver down your spine if you're an Edmonton football fan. Well, it wasn't all losses. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, right. no. No ties in the playoffs. None. I hear you. Rod, it's interesting, too. You mentioned uh, Jason Moss. Uh, there is some focus on Jason Moss here. What what kind of offense is he calling? I mean, this was a live mic game, and you can hear what's going on out there uh, in Calgary, and people are going, hey, take some shots down the field. They just haven't done that for a club that's rang up the kind of totals they have in a, in a couple of games. They're back to uh, playing it safe and uh, not taking shots downfield, and I don't get it. Well, when you got Devaris Daniels and Greg Ellingson in your lineup, you should be going down the field. I, I just, I think that you can't take away the defense that they were playing against. That the Calgary Stampeders D, under their new coordinator Brent Munson, has made a lot of great quarterbacks look very average. 
and not just this year, but over the years. And I think they took Greg Ellingson and Devaris Daniels out of the game on Monday and the Stampeders were unable to adjust. That's not to say that they won't be able to adjust down the road or even this weekend in the Battle of Alberta and Edmonton. I had a laugh, by the way, when Terry Jones said this game isn't selling any tickets for the return engagement in Commonwealth. I hope that's wrong. I hope that they get their biggest crowd of the year and that the Edmonton Eskimos have a chance to game plan. And because, the, you know, they got back-to-back opponents, you know, for the same opponent for two straight games, that usually favors the team that's home in the second, you know, just like Winnipeg, just like Edmonton. Maybe that's why they do typically win the home game. I think Edmonton's going to change some, some things up here. They're smart enough to do that. Though if Ellingson and Devaris Daniels are non-factors, you don't have a chance. I don't care who you're playing. Rod Peterson joining us on the Outsiders today. The other thing you got to take a look at is the opposition. Let's focus on the Calgary Stampeders. So you have Arbuckle having a great season, and now all of a sudden Bo Levi is ready to go, and he certainly looked rusty in that that game on Monday <laughs> afternoon. I mean, what? wow, what a performance by him. Well, listen, let's just get down to it. I don't even believe Bo Levi Mitchell was that hurt. I don't. Really? For the whole time. The conspiracy theory in Calgary amongst the football people that are friends of mine, not affiliated with the Stampeders in any way, was that Bo Levi was not that hurt. And when John Huffnagel had to sign him to that 700,000-ish contract, he was like chewing nails, eating glass, signing into that. He didn't want to do it. <laughs> and the Bo Levi was stashed on the sixth game to save salary to see if they could win with Nick Arbuckle, which they basically did. I think they yeah. got four or five wins under Nick. But when Bo came back for the biggest game of the year for Calgary, is a totally different team. That's what I said. It wasn't just on offense. The whole team got better when Bo Levi Mitchell was on the field. But my point here is he did not look rusty. And there's some trickery going on in Calgary. Like late last week, he comes out that they're taking him off the six-game injured list, but they're not going to name him a starter. We're going to name our starter on Sunday. Yeah. Who are you trying to kid? <laughs> You're not going to take him off the six-game to be a backup. Like, what are you What are you doing? Here's your clipboard. So, well, like, it's just dumb. It's just, who do you think we are here? So something's going on, but that's not to say that the Stampeders are ready to move away from Bo Levi Mitchell. I just think they wanted to see if they could win without him. And now, and they did really. And they got into the second half of the season here. Bo's off the sixth game. I'm interested to see how they handle them moving forward because I know come fall and in the playoffs, they're not going to experiment with Nick Arbuckle. No. Bo will be on the field in the playoffs, but there's a rumor guys amongst CFL people that there will be an off-season trade that could land Bo Levi Mitchell in Toronto because really he's the only thing I believe the Argos are missing. I know they're a dreadful 1-9 and or 1-10, and whatever they are, but they could use them, I think. Uh, so just keep your eye on that. That's something that I'm hearing. Okay. That's uh, that's interesting stuff. Uh, you, you don't think McLeod Bethel-Thompson's the guy, eh? <laughs> no, no, not even close. And as a matter of fact, I sat with Argo fans at Touchdown Atlantic, and it's one of the things I love in this new role is being able to go watch games that I really have no horse, no skin in the game yeah. or horse in the race and sit with other teams' fans and listen to them, and they know who I am, and I, I just like giving the fans a voice. I know you guys do too, and I watched McLeod Bethel-Thompson up close. He just does not have it. I understand why he's kicked around for as long as he has. He shows flashes. He's got the size. I think he puts in the work. But when you when the chips are down, you just can't count on him to make the throw to win you a game. And 
They got two quarterbacks there. James Franklin, who you guys would know, he hasn't been able to do anything. The club, Bethel Thompson's been unable to do anything. But there's a lot of talent on that Argos roster, a lot, and they can't win. The only thing they're missing, I believe, is the quarterback. Yeah. Rod, let's go to the other hot spot right to the West Coast. Uh, we touched on this with Chris Cuthbert. Um, I don't know how long Mike Riley can stay upright, even with – uh, the firing of a coach. Um, the coach doesn't block as far as I uh, know. Uh, <laughs> here's a guy uh, just signed 700 K a year. Um, he's a star in this league. I don't know how long, I don't, I don't know if he finishes out this contract the way he's getting uh, beat up out there. Well, it's, I tell you what, somebody's got egg on their face and you knew somebody was going to be made to walk the plank eventually. And it was Brian Chu. Yep. And it's unfortunate. Um, they're not going to fire the head coach because they can't. Because of this inane CFL coach's salary cap, they can't afford to fire anybody anymore. Um, so there's, And Ed Hervey's obviously not going to get fired. You know yourself, GMs, they put a few bodies in front of them when the bullets start flying. So Ed's safe for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, so all of a sudden, who's going to walk the plank? It's going to be Brian Chu. But let's zero in on this giving $725,000 a year over four years. So $2.8 million to Mike Riley and you can't predict. It seemed like a great idea at the time. Yeah. Gentlemen, but it's been a, an horrendous idea. And that's where somewhere along the line, Ed Hervey's going to have to uh, pay the piper here. But I had a coach call me from Texas uh, last week. And I said, I'm glad you called because I missed all the games. I was in Moncton for touchdown Atlantic festivities. I didn't see what, what happened. He goes, well, listen, in the CFL, you give up a sack on any drive anywhere on the field, your chance of scoring a touchdown on that drive is 3%. Hmm. 3%, one sack against. And he goes, with BC, they're on pace to set a record for sacks allowed in one season in the CFL. So they are not even giving Mike Riley a chance. He didn't have a chance right out of the gate with the amount of protection that they've had. So I don't know about Brian Chu. I've never met him. He was fired by the Red Blacks. He's now fired with BC. Maybe he is the problem. I don't know. It's not just about putting too much money into the quarterback and not enough on the O-line. It's not. It's about, it is about scheme. But they've been rotated. I don't think they had the same five for consecutive games all year. Yeah. And I don't understand why that is. I don't understand that. But it's not just about overpaying for Mike Rowdy. There's more going into it there. But nobody saw this coming. I can tell by you guys' voices you didn't see it coming. No. Nobody saw this coming. No. It's a big shocker. And and the way the Eskimos rolled over them early was, uh, was okay, the first game in Edmonton, you knew there was going to be high emotion, and you knew the Edmonton Eskimos would be ready for that one. But then they went into Vancouver and basically did the same thing there. The Chu dismissal for me you're right. You know, you can't you can't uh, target the head coach. It's hard to go after a GM and when your offensive line is that horrible, somebody's going to have to bite the bullet and it's not hard to take a look at the offensive line coach and go, that's the guy. We got to start somewhere. Right. He's the guy. I wondered I wondered what took so long to be honest with you. Yeah. And I'm pretty I'm pretty happy with uh, with the hire. Kelly Bates is in there who I I know he spent some time with the Eskimos. Obviously, he's a BC Lions great. Um, so maybe things will change. I think Kelly is a tremendous coach. It's, it's a, I think it's a better fit than Brian Chu was in the first place, but let's be honest, their season, I believe is over. They're not mathematically out of it, but Holy smoke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it's tough because that's a market where the BC lions, 
you know, they're up for sale. David Braley's screwing over the market because he doesn't want to sell the team. He's got eager buyers just begging him to buy the team, and Braley just won't do it. Uh, it's not it's not a good situation there in BC. It should be much better than what it is. Rod Peterson joining us on the Outsiders today. Okay, let's move on to some other topics because we're a little tight for time. Let's talk about Touchdown Atlantic. Robin and I love it. We think it's great. What's what are we waiting for other than the stadium? Let's <laughs> we're we're pumped and we we know that that area can really support. A franchise, at least that's how we feel. You were out there for Touchdown Atlantic. Give us your thoughts from Ground Zero. Uh, it's really simple. After spending some time there, and actually, I had a daughter who just moved there, so we're going to be out there a lot. Uh, the people in the region are lukewarm to CFL football. That's that, that's the number one thing. Really, I was listening on the radio. Yeah, the radio station had a poll: Should the Maritimes get a CFL team? Fifty-seven percent of respondents said yes. Like, could you get a more vanilla response mm. other than 50-50? 57% said yes. So I'm in a room, and I was flown out there to MC events and stuff, which was great. The football people were in the room. They want it. It's just the football people. So my point, Bryn, is everybody needs to be sold on this out there because their taxes are going to go to a new stadium. Sure. Right? Whereas here in Saskatchewan, they're so rabid over this football team. Nobody batted an eye when they pay $280 million for a new stadium. And it is the Taj Mahal of the country and for outdoor stadiums of the content. Nobody cared here, but that's because they love the riders so much. Out there, why would they have their taxes go up for a team that they don't even know what it is? They need to be sold on it. And these are some of the things that I talked about with the commissioner, and I've spoken with the Schooners people about. They need to invigorate, stimulate the region with CFL football. Damon Allen went out there, guys. Obviously, an Eskimo great. Spent four straight days. I was with him. He was running pass, punt, and kick contests. He was going to schools. He was talking to kids. It was amazing to see what Damon did on behalf of the CFL. They just get to get, they got to get on board with it because right now they're not. And so they're, they're not going to vote in favor of a new stadium because it's going to come down to a political football. Elections will be won and lost on the new stadium. I will guarantee you that. That's what happened here in Regina. And the only guy that ran for mayor, or sorry, the only guy that was pro stadium won the mayoralty race based on that. Hmm. Eight other people were opposed to it, and he won. Wow! So it just it's a, it's a it's a sale job. That's my take. And the only thing is, Moncton, beautiful stadium, gorgeous actually, only holds eleven thousand. I'm like, why can't they throw up ten thousand seats temporary and start playing right now? And they said New Brunswick's just not big enough. Moncton's only one hundred forty thousand people, so there's a few roadblocks. I'm starting to think it will happen. These owners have resources. I think you guys know these are the former owners of the Arizona Coyotes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They've got unlimited resources. And that's the good news. The bad news is that they don't want to pay for a stadium out of their own pocket. That's how they got rich, not spending their own money. So we're following it very closely, obviously. That's interesting, Rod. I'm a bit stunned about the disconnect you talk about. I mean, the, so there, I. there's been talk about, I mean, how long has the name Atlantic Schooners been around? It's, it goes back a long way. Now we're talking about, uh, I, I'm not understanding why the fans don't seem jacked about it. Is this a, a bad sale job by Ambrosi and the CFL or is it just a general uh, shoulder shrug out there? I, I don't get that part. I would have thought they'd be clamoring for this team. Uh, so would I. And it was a bad, not by the CFL. Ambrosi's taking a little bit of heat for that, but it's 
it's not. I, be- I believe it's on the schooners. But I'll give you a great example. In one sentence, this will give you a snapshot of what was wrong. At the tailgate party at which I was at just before the game, a fan came up to me and said, this is great. A lot, 11,000 people. Imagine if they'd advertised it. <laughs> oh, we hear that a lot. <laughs> and I'm like, bingo, 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 bingo. That CFL's problem has always been marketing. When you have a tremendous product, which they do, the CFL, but people don't know about it, that's your problem, not the public's problem. I have a 24-year-old and, and a 12-year-old rod, and they don't even know the league exists. Marketing. And that's what it's all about. And you also you got to get the people on their mobile device now. TV and radio isn't well, just enough anymore. And we can actually swing that around. You guys you mentioned about our new show. We did a poll because we broadcast on Facebook Live daily. Yes. We also have live audio, but it's all digital. And we had a poll a couple of weeks ago. Who's the greatest Canadian of all time? in the CFL history. And two of the options were Russ Jackson and Roger Aldeg. Our respondents wrote in said, who are these guys? We've never heard of them. Exactly. And on one hand, I was enraged. On the other hand, I'm like, yes, we've hit that demographic. We have infiltrated it and didn't even know we were doing it. It's the young people. We That's who is viewing our show is the younger people. So I think we're on to something here, but the CFL that they need to kind of get with it here. We'll never have the fantasy component that the NFL has. Don't necessarily need to have it. But I just think a little more work needs to be done to hit those people than is currently being done. We, we're going to lose you here in a couple of minutes, so very, very quickly. So how can people get a hold of you or watch you on your show? It's all on Facebook Live? Uh, yeah, Facebook Live. Just go in the search window and type the Rod Peterson Show. It'll okay. come up. We're live every day, 10 to 12 Mountain. And um, I think my, people are fairly familiar with my blog, rodpeterson.com. There's live audio every day, right from there. If you don't want to watch it, uh, you can listen at rodpeterson.com slash listen live. But for the four, I think it's worth watching because it's a, like a David Letterman format. It's like Letterman meets The View meets <laughs> Sports Center. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. It, the likes of which has never been seen in Canada before. And I think that's a, one of the reasons why we're shaking things up. Yeah, well, you are. I hear you're going great guns, Rod, and that, and that's good to hear. I've got, I want your quick take on something before I get to my last question. Sure. Um, let's, you've been in this, you were in the radio business for a long time. Bryn and I are sitting here in a studio doing our podcast. Uh, where do you think the media landscape is right now, and where do you think it's going? Because you're a part of it. Uh, well, on one hand, I'm a little worried. Um, you're seeing a lot of old timers say on Facebook and Twitter, Jim Van Horns, the Mike Hogan's, if you know, Hoagie voice of the Argos, formerly fan 590, mm-hmm. that it's the business is in the hands of the bean counters and quality doesn't matter anymore. And, you know, it's costs cutting over talent and that worries me. But on the flip side, not just in the broadcasting industry, but in life, I also hear that the people are craving authenticity. They don't want to be pissed on their head and told it's raining. Yeah. You know what I mean? Particularly when it comes to their teams, because fans aren't stupid. So where's it going? I was actually ready to turn my back on this business. And when I left the rider job, Bryn called me and thank you for that, Bryn, by the way. No I, problem, I man. I, I was done with the business for all the reasons that I've just talked about. And then this opportunity came along with the Rod Peterson show with the guys that actually own the show and said, this is what we'd like to do. Facebook Live, would you mm-hmm. host it? And I said, sure. Here's the conditions, though. 
I only want to do this. I don't want to do this, 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 and this, because that would be work. And they said, sure. <laughs> and, and so you can go on there and be authentic. For instance, and one TSN guy said to me this summer, nobody's broken more stories in this country in the last three to four months than you. And I laughed. I don't have to answer to anybody anymore. I don't have to check with anybody before I report something anymore. And I think that's the cachet of what we're doing here is you can be yourself. Mm -hmm. And I got a lot of former CFLers that come into the studio every week. We kind of do an NFL network style format, but we talk CFL and the guys say, I love it here. I can be myself. Yeah. I can say what I want. So there, Robin, is what's missing in the industry. The teams and the networks have their thumb on the talent. And I talk to fans. Fans can tell when they're being BSed. Yep. And they're getting sick of it. So you know, you I know, you know, on podcasts you can say bullshit, right? Sorry, <laughs> you know what I mean. But yeah, I, I do. I just can't bring myself to do it. <laughs> it was a stretch <laughs> to say pissed on. Um, <laughs> So I guess that there's where it is, Robin. Yep. Uh, that's both sides of the coin. People are getting tired with the phoniness that they're getting on the networks and on the radio, the play-by-play broadcasts of teams. And I think they know guys like yourself and me. We're trusted voices. I've been in the business 30 years since high school. People know that when I'm saying it, they can believe it. And well, that goes a long way. Well, Rod, you walked uh, you walked me down the garden path right to my next question when you talked about <laughs> breaking stories. I, you know, we can't let you go without leaning on you about. No. Uh, and hey, I know you're going to come up with some BS. I can't tell you a thing, and I get that, Robin. You can say bullshit, by the way. <laughs> yeah, I forgot that for a second. Hey, old old habits die hard. Absolutely. Yeah, R- Rod. A uh, lot of people shrugged. Uh, I didn't because I communicated with you when this happened. You got the Ken Holland story, and that was a big deal around here. Uh, I know you can't tell us how you got it, although feel free, but uh, talk about that a little. That must have been a kick with all the hockey insiders on the outside on this one. Well, you know, your words in your text to me or tweet have rung in my ear a lot. You said the CFL guy, the football guy, broke the hockey story hilarious <laughs> and Bryn will understand I was a little ticked at that because I spent 17 years in the Western Hockey League yes. raised in the game uh-huh. and my dad was a scout in the NHL for 26 years with the Dallas Stars like people forget my background in hockey I guess a and so I obviously <laughs> I couldn't tell you where the scoop came from but it was pretty simple um it was just a guy here in Regina that told me hey Ken Holland's going to be the GM of the orders. They're doing it today. And I said, can I tweet that? He goes, go ahead. He says, I was a <laughs> hockey guy. This province doesn't get enough credit for the no. hockey province that it is. And right. Bryn lived here. You understand that. I yep. think every NHL team has a full-time scout here in Regina. There's a ton of hockey people here. So they just came from a hockey person. And then when I started getting bashed yeah. by the TSN insiders and the Sportsnet guys and the Edmonton Journal people of the world, I went back to that guy. I said, are you sure about this? Because I'm putting my <laughs> ass on the line here. And he goes, no, 100%. I'm shocked they haven't announced it yet. They did the contract last night. Okay. Here we so go. I left, that tw- I left the tweet up, and that was right around the time that you texted and asked if I was confident in it. And I'm like, well, I'll tell you what, if I'm not, we're all going down together. <laughs> uh, well done. So that's all it was was a guy here in Regina, but the other thing, guys, 
And I think I told you this, Brent. I work full time in the addictions and mental health world, and I only deal with athletes and people from the entertainment industry. Yeah. So do you think that we might talk about a few things that might come up <laughs> in the world of, of pro, pro sports? Yep. So, and these guys don't care if I break a story. So it goes back to the fact that we joke a lot of times on the show. If you don't like what I say, call my boss. Oh, wait, that's me. I am the boss. Hey, listen, we've got right. a dash. You got a show to do and thanks for your time. We'll, yes. we'll uh, check in with you on occasion if that's all right. This has been fun. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks, Rod. All right, Rod. Thanks, man. Have, have, have a good day. Fresh air and fun. Experience it all this summer in a new RV from Carefree RV. Trade up to the perfect bunk model from reputable brands like Winnebago at Forest River. So many floor plans and payments starting at just $53 bi-weekly. Plus, one free year of CoachNet warranty on all RVs. Carefree RV. Open seven days a week in Edmonton and Leduc. Online, carefreerv.ca. Carefree. Well, that's it for podcast number three. Robin, I got to ask you a question, and and we're always looking for feedback from everybody, and you're more than welcome to just drop us an email at mightymouth at shaw.ca. That's mightymouth at shaw.ca. One of the things you and I have been talking about is what's the perfect length of a, of a podcast? What's What's good for people? You and I have kind of determined that we like to be between 45 minutes and an hour at the at the most, unless it's a little special. On podcast two, we talked to Theo Fleury, and he was going pretty good. So we weren't going to cut him off at any point or do any editing. We don't like to do any editing on this show anyway. We, you, what you hear us talk about is pretty much what we're going to be talking about. We don't, we don't hack and slice and cut it up. But uh, So anyway, we're running almost on schedule today. But we have to tell people that the NHL preseason is, is upon us next week. And the training camps will be beginning, will be starting all up, and there's going to be a lot of hockey talk next week. Well, I mean, by next week, we'll be into the early stages of uh, players reporting and training camps. The uh, Oh, and the Eskimos will have roared back with a dominating victory <laughs> in the rematch with the Stampeders. Let's wait on that one. Uh-huh. But yeah, we're. I, I'm looking forward to it. This is a nice time of year. We're getting down where the money's on the table in the CFL. Uh, there's still some a ways to go, but that that winds up, and now we're going to see the the players filtering back into their respective cities in the NHL. Whether you're out in Toronto or out in Vancouver, waiting to see if Peterson can avoid the sophomore jinx, uh, if you, whether you're in Edmonton wondering if Connor McDavid is still unhappy about being an Edmonton Oiler. Please don't get me started on that. <laughs> I hear. You it's know, the same story the last three straight years at the exact same time. He doesn't look happy. Of course he doesn't look happy. The Oilers haven't been good enough, guys. Thanks, Tips. <laughs> the other thing, too, the baseball season's about to wrap up. Uh-huh. We're going into a crazy month of October. I love October. It's, it's a lot of fun. 
I, I, you know, I'm sure we're going to end up doing a little bit of a, a post-mortem on what's going on with the Toronto Blue Jays. I still can't figure out what's happening there. There's a lot of great stories coming up. But anyway, we're trying to get feedback from you to tell us if you like the direction we're going, what you'd like to hear more of. I'd like to get a few more responses out, out of the USA. We're getting a lot from Canada. I have one from from the U.S., but uh, we're looking for feedback from pretty much everywhere. We also have a few people downloading us in, in Europe, which is not a real big surprise, and uh, and a few other places as well. But we'll get to all of that later. But uh, we're just we think we're going down the right path here. So any feedback you can give us would be fantastic. Yeah, I mean seriously, guys, uh, tell us what sucks. Tell us what you like. Yeah, uh, and if you got any suggestions, hey, we're we're all ears. I mean. It doesn't make any sense to talk about stuff people don't care about. So let us know what you care about, and we'll take it from there. Absolutely. Robin, thanks for your time today. You're more than welcome, pal. Looking forward to next week already. See you then. that's it for the Outsiders for today, and thanks for being with us. recorded earlier because we were ashamed to do it now.